0: Hi, my name is Rochelle Grow, and I'm obsessed with all things business, especially networking. Oftentimes, the opportunities that we have in business and even personally comes down to who we know. I love helping people build a thriving network with genuine people, even if they are new to the game, afraid to say the wrong thing, or need a reminder to just do it. I'm a California transplant living in Northern England who's taken her business chops from California to New York and now the US to the UK. I work from home and run two businesses. No matter if you're a networking beginner or not, I can teach you the step-by-step behind the scenes secrets to building a network that you love. Pop in your earbuds and get ready to be encouraged and have some fun while you learn. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back. Let's dive into episode two of the Allergic to Small Talk podcast. Have you ever shared something vulnerable with a close friend? It could go something like this I'm 36, I'm going through a bankruptcy from my multi million dollar business, I have a toddler, and to make matters worse, I'm going through a divorce. How on earth can I reinvent myself, reintroduce myself, and show up for my network? in an authentic way that still makes sense. Listen up, everyone has to start somewhere after major life shifts and transitions. In fact, many times when we get caught in these crosshairs, the real thing holding us back is fear. But we know that, right? If you have ever gone through any life transitions, big or small, and wondering, how the heck do I still show up? You are going to adore my guest today. She happens to actually be one of my very close friends and now business partner. We met in 2012 at Pepperdine when we got our executive MBAs. We traveled to Bali and Thailand together. And get this, we also traveled down the Great Wall of China together. She wanted to go down toboggan style while she was five months pregnant, but I wasn't going to let that happen. We now live across the world from one another. I'm in the UK and she's in Los Angeles, but we are closer than ever. She will help us kick fear right in the pants so that we can still show up for people in our business and our lives, regardless of what's going on in it. Her name is Leslie Levito, and she's an entrepreneur with over 25 years of experience. Her first business was a multi-million dollar action sports retail shop. She was the international sales director and then COO of Baker Boys Distribution and co-founder of a top branding agency called Falslavito, which created brands that hit some of the hottest top 10 lists in Los Angeles. She is an expert in reinventing oneself, business and brand strategy, and she can make some mean dumplings. She's passionate about using her voice and experience to help entrepreneurs build thriving businesses and master their mindset to create their dream life. Now, today, we're drilling down into three takeaways that Leslie picked up through not one, not two, but three major life transitions and how she decided to show up three times harder. Leslie will share how she got to these takeaways, so maybe have a pen and paper ready if you want to follow along. In this episode, we're talking about tackling your mindset and showing up for your network after life transitions, specifically for most of you, because I know my audience well, and your mindset is pivotal when taking steps to reach out or connect with your audience. So as we go through each of Leslie's takeaway, see how you can use them for what you want within your business or career or life. Let's make 2021 your year. And this is a perfect place to start so I won't make you wait any longer. I can't wait for you to meet my dear friend, Leslie. Hey, Les. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Me too. So thrilled to be here. Excellent. First, I just want you to tell my listeners a little bit about you. I gave you a proper introduction when I started the episode, but I would love people to hear from your own words, like when people say, tell me about you. What do you say? Oh man, just
1: for the record, I've only recently started not to cringe at this question. I've always (laughs) been a real introvert, as you know, super quiet. And I really am one of those people who prefer to listen to others talk about themselves. Over the last several years, I've really worked on developing my social skills and really just myself. I live in Los Angeles. I'm married with two kids. We also have a dog who's an Australian shepherd and a cat that's a ragdoll. So basically, we're your average family of four with two pets. I never set out to be a businesswoman. My family had their best intentions on turning me out as a doctor. (laughs) But life had a different path for me. My first experience in business actually started in high school when I was a professional balloon sculptor, if you could believe that. (laughs) That was in my teens. Then in my early 20s, I really, like really didn't want to get a real job. And so I kind of fell into the next 13 years of my life of owning a skateboard and snowboard
0: shop called the G-Spot. I I love, like, (laughs) Leslie. (laughs) That is the best, the best name for a retail shop.
1: (laughs) It was super fun. And on top of it, the whole store, the outside of it was painted bright purple. So it was definitely a fun place and a fun time. (laughs) during that, we, I did that for almost 13 years, and then during the recession, the G-Spot closed. Um, I did have a short visit on the buying team with Free People, um, which is part of the Urban Outfitters brands. It only lasted five or six months.
0: So that happened after G-Spot closed down.
1: Yep. So G-Spot closed. It was a time that I reinvented myself. I worked at Free People for five or six months and then continued my reinvention phase when I moved to Los Angeles which is when I started working for Baker Boys Distribution. They are a skateboard distributor that distributes brands worldwide. Um, and that's when I was chief of operations there. And I got my MBA while I was there, had my second son. And at that point, I resigned and then again was back at starting a new chapter where I started as a consultant and ended up co-founding a branding agency called Faust Levito. And then, like everyone, things got really shaken up for me in 2020. Faust libido closed, and so I was back again in reinvention mode. I'm super psyched on the two new businesses that I've launched, Cut Class With You, and also etc. who I am launching with our co-partner show. And that is the relaunch of the branding
0: agency here in LA. That's fantastic. Les, I really love your story. One, because you are just an all-around great human. But I also really admire how you've managed the major transitions in your life and how you still show up for your audience despite having thoughts of, "Mm, what are they going to think of me now? And not only have you done that once, but you've done it three times. As you know, a lot of the work I do is set around mindset, and I know my audience struggles with conversations such as, are they going to like me? What do they think? And in your case... Because you had so many transitions, I could see where someone could think, what are they going to think of me now? All of these solo conversations, and I call these solo conversations because most of the time people have these conversations with themselves only. It's that little voice that seems so tough to quiet down. And that actually kind of segues into the first of your big three takeaways, which is when your why is big enough, you'll do anything. Can you explain what this means and kind of how you discovered your why and how it plays into what you're doing now? Yeah, of course. So
1: your why has to be something big, something that you'll be more committed to than any reasons, excuses, doubt, or fear that you may have. Your why is what will get your butt moving, and it gets you through all the hows. So A lot of times we have all these hows. How am I going to make it work? How am I going to figure it out? How am I going to reach out to that person? How am I going to talk to the person? That's all how-related thinking. Your why will push you through all that. So honestly, my why, it has evolved through the years. When I was in my 20s, my why was I just didn't really want to get a real job. And so that's why, <laughs> that's why I ended up opening up my business and doing everything that I did with G-Spot. And look, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to run a business. I was a pre-med student prior to that. But the alternative of getting a real job, having only two weeks vacation, that just wasn't going to work for the traveling that I wanted to do. When it came to a nine to five, I knew I was just a no way. So that's kind of how I started everything with the skate and snowboard shop back in 2006. Now, if you fast forward to 2010, my why completely shifted because at that point, my business had closed, we were in a recession, I'm unemployed, and I'm in my mid-30s. So it was a really incredibly hard time. I watched everything that I built totally fall apart. To me, it just felt like game over especially since I was 36 and was really trapped in this perception that I was middle-aged and washed up. Nothing in my life was working. I had to file for bankruptcy and my house was going into foreclosure. And if that wasn't crappy enough, I also was getting a divorce and venturing out as a single mom with a toddler. For me at that point, my why was definitely my son, Logan. I wasn't going to get some alimony settlement to set us up. So it was up to me to make things happen for him.
0: Okay. I just want to pause there for a second because (laughs) there is so much in what you just said. I mean, come on. There is like transition after transition and shift after shift. And it's not like it was just like, you know, one was happening right after another. All of these things were happening at once. (laughs) Like,
1: (laughs) I I got to say. It was pretty crazy. Um, At the time, it really felt like everything was falling apart. In the background, what I didn't realize is everything was actually
0: falling together for me. Wow, that's fantastic. I think that it's really great to find, find your why, but also realize that depending on what's really happening in your life, that why can actually shift over time but the fundamental part of your why kind of stays consistent. Definitely. Like it kind of gets you out of bed.
1: Absolutely. I think there's two big whys for me. One is having freedom and flexibility has always been really important to me. And then other people has always been a big part of my why. So you can see my son was a big part of my why. And then later on in 2013, You know, at that point, I had rebuilt, completed my MBA. I was an executive with a six-figure income, but I just had my second son. And I realized that once again, I wasn't going to have the freedom and flexibility that I wanted, which of course is a theme for me. Um, And I just knew that I wanted to be there for my kids. So I chose to resign and then again was in reinvention mode. So you can really see that for me, I won't always get off my butt for myself. But for other people, I will do whatever I need to do to get things going. When people count on me or if I know I can contribute to others, that's a really huge why for me. And that's kind of why with Cut Class, I'm so excited because I want to be a resource for other people so they can see their vision come to life, to build their future. Even with et cetera, building brands, we're doing the same thing, having people's dream come to fruition for them. And that is just so fulfilling for me.
0: There's so much power in that statement and how you just dis- completely distinguish your personal why. And for you, like it's very, like you have, you're have very clear on it. You understand that your why has to do with other people. And th- for me, that just like that hit really hard for me. And it, it just totally resonated for me. So that's super cool that you came to that conclusion. I love it.
1: Thanks. Um, another thing is looking back, all of these really hard times, all these transitions was when I would reach out to my network because I had no other choice. I've always struggled with social anxiety. I'm a true introvert. So when times were good, I kind of just kept to myself. I was more of an observer, someone who wasn't really willing to put myself out there. That's how I lived normally, quote, normally. However, in the really difficult times, I had to get past the fears that I had around people and reach out. It was in those moments that my why became bigger than my anxiety that I had around people. <laughs> in fact, it's kind of like I had new bigger anxieties on my mind than what people thought about me if I had what it took or if I would fail because I had to go and make something happen.
0: That's so great. I think it's – it's. Your why basically it like shrunk all those other tiny com- – like those big conversations down to – and really made those voices or those thoughts quiet for you as your why became so big.
1: Yeah, and that's why having a why is really critical because if you can focus on the why, you will just power through all the other – obstacles. You'll find a way through them. You'll go around them. You will go over them. You will push them down. You will (laughs) dig a tunnel under them. I mean, you will really do anything if you have a big enough why.
0: I love that. All right. Let's pop into takeaway number two. People are standing for your greatness, and they want to contribute to you. Can you tell me how you came to this conclusion? Like, what happened in one of the three transitions, where, or maybe if it's, it's even it's all three? Like, where did you find this takeaway?
1: This is a great one because it's one of the things that I know now as a 47 year old that I wish I had known when I was younger. And it's really that my solo conversations, as you call them, they were way off. I always had this idea in my head that I shouldn't bother people or that I didn't want to be that annoying person who needed something. And I took a course and I had a coach, which really highlighted for me how I lived my life kind of like this, like a Lone Ranger. I had through the years gotten this, I'm gonna just do it myself mentality and kind of had this tough cookie attitude. And while it seemed to work in a lot of ways, it really hid a lot of the loneliness and insecurities that I felt. I mean, I had a hard time as a minority growing up in Central Texas in the 70s. So, as a kid, to protect myself, I had to pretend like I didn't need anyone else. And I adopted this independent, well, I'll show you thing. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, as an adult, that whole persona didn't really serve me well. I was so in it, I couldn't even see it. I mean, it may not have even served me as a kid, to tell you the truth. But there I was in my 20s and 30s, acting like I did when I was 10 or 15 years old. And listen, you don't have to be a minority to have felt a break from belonging as a kid. It's something we all go through at one time or another. It's just part of growing up. Another part of growing up, yeah, another part of growing up is continuing to grow up even when you're an adult.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm less. I'm 36. I don't want to grow up anymore. I'm good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, What I started to realize is that people many times, they like to be needed. Yeah. It's great to help somebody else. I mean, don't you feel warm and
0: fuzzy when you can help another person? 100%, like I, I love helping people. Like I, I will spread my help around like happy confetti. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so really what there is to get is that one of the biggest things you can do is flip the script on those solo conversations that do not apply to your life anymore. If someone offers to help you, take them up on it. Allow them to be a contribution to you. If someone can be a resource, ask them for help. That other person, they can be a big boy or a big girl and say no if it's something that they don't want to do. And you can even make it super easy with them and how you frame it. You can say, hey, I know you're really busy and if you can help me, great. If you don't have time, no problem. But I could really use help with, and then just let them know. They might be so honored and so even tickled at the invitation of helping. That fear of reaching out, the concern for asking another person for help, you know, it's its definitely something that many of us deal with. And just remember this, look, you don't want to always be that person who's constantly asking for something. The best way to think about it is relationships are very similar to bank accounts. You want to deposit more into them than you withdraw. So, you know, as you may ask people for help, be on the lookout for other people who need help. Connect them to who they need to be connected to. Give them the information. Just be a free resource for your community. And when it's time and you need help, they'll be there for you.
0: I absolutely love your analogy regarding relationships being similar to a bank account. And it's so true. And I re- and one thing that kind of stuck out to me when you were hitting on takeaway number two is the fact that you kind of were reaching out to people in your time of need. And because you you actually really did need help there, you were going through some transitions in your life and you allowed other people to help you out. There's nothing absolutely wrong with that. You genuinely needed help. And now that you're totally reinvented for the third time, how do you nurture your relationships now that everything is in place for you? Well, first
1: of all, When you see me in the morning at 5 a.m. and things are crazy and then shortly afterwards my kids are up and throwing temper tantrums and the dog is barking (laughs) and the cat is meowing and people are asking me 50 questions, you're not going to be like, everything is in in place for her. Um, (laughs) But, like, no, seriously, um, I – really make an effort to be genuinely interested in other people and see what it is that they're up to. I find that the more I ask them about their lives and share about my life, more things starts happening. And we're creating very genuine partnerships, just one-on-one as friends or a community. And, you know, I'd like to highlight through my whole career I've never submitted a resume and then went into a job. Every single thing that has happened because of someone that I actually knew. Like, you know, when I started this skateboard and snowboard shop, I actually went into the store and just started talking because I, you know, that was the one place where I did feel free because I was talking about snowboarding and I made connections. So when I actually wasn't the original owner. There were two other owners. And when they went their separate ways, I partnered with one of them and ended up building G-Spot into this multi-million dollar business. But it was someone that I met from walking into a store. And when I worked at Baker Boys, that was really funny because um, the owner, Eric Ellington, he had he's a professional skateboarder. He came to my shop to do a demo for my customers and you know to build build the brand that he was writing for. I met him and then just over the course of, you know, 2 years we would say hey on Facebook or shoot a text like sometimes I'd see something cool in the city and be like, "Oh man, you got to come back to Philly and skate this or whatever." But we talked very rarely. You know, maybe once every 3 to 6 months. And then when I got to LA, I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I have to do this. I got to figure out what's next for me and so I I was dying to like of embarrassment, but I reached out to him, you know, cuz he's this <laughs> professional skateboarder and super easy on the eyes. So, you know, there was that whole component too. And I was just <laughs> like, you know, but again, I was like, crap. I got to do something. And so it got me to reach out to him, but again, like I knew him and had right. met him and that's how I ended up like working for his company and then after Baker Boys, someone that I met at Baker Boys and worked with, his wife, Leah, ended up being
0: my next business partner. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like all of the, all of your past transitions kind of had like connect the dots. And it was all due to just keeping those relationships intact or nurturing them and just making it all come together. But- or look at us.
1: Like totally, we met, we met eight <laughs> years ago you know, and, you know, I always loved you, but back then I wasn't premeditating like, oh my gosh, we're going to be business partners someday. You know, it was just, I genuinely liked you and we've kept in touch through, you know, many transitions of, you know, marriages and kids and moving, you know, for you, moving countries, across the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, but we kept in touch.
0: Yeah, great. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for giving us insight on takeaway number 1 and takeaway number 2. Let's head into number 3. People know who you are sometimes more deeply than you know yourself. This I'm I'm really interested in this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one's this one's a this one's pivotal. It was really huge for me.
1: So yeah, what I want to say about that is, do you ever have this experience when you're talking to someone or maybe someone's introducing you to someone else? And like, you can maybe relate with this, that they're talking about you and in your solo conversation, you know, that little voice in your head is like, what? Who me? What? If only they knew that I'm not really that awesome. <laughs> like, like you're listening to them. And for you, there's this disconnect of like, I am not as awesome and cool as you think that I am. And then you're kind of spinning out, like, oh crap, you know, I'm a fraud, I'm a fake, they're gonna figure it out. You know, I really suffered with that for the majority of my life. And that's another area. We need to flip the script on that one too. There are conversations and moments in our lives that are pivotal. And I'm going to share one with you now that was one of the most important conversations I had with a mentor named Candace. So at the time, Candace was coaching me on public speaking. And one of the you know things about learning how to do public speaking is you don't want like your first time to be going in talking to 100 people. It's just uh, harder to build up to generate that kind of a room size. So in the course that I was in, we would start off in smaller groups like oh, you know, lead to 10 people and then lead to 15 people and then, you know, public speak to 20 like slowly ramping up the audience size. So at the time I'd only talk to maybe less than 10 people for sure. And there was this opportunity to go and talk to 30 and in my mind I was like, "Oh no, there is no way I can deliver this message." I talked to Candice and I said, I can't do it. It's three times bigger than I've ever done. You'll have to find somebody else. And and I knew that there were other people who could fill the space. You got to find somebody else because I'm not going to be able to do what the audience needs and I don't want to fail. And she told me the most amazing thing. She said that it's really critical to leave a legacy behind. And one of the most important things to, to know is that when other people create who you are for them. If someone says, you can do this, you're never going to be invited by someone to do something that they think you're going to fail at or suck at. And if they do think that you might, then it's obviously okay. And she was like, I'm inviting you to speak to 30 people because I believe you can rock it. And what I need you to do is step into the space I am creating for you, that you can rock it, that you are a rock star. And I know you don't believe that you are, but the fact that I believe that you are, you should honor it and do what it takes to go out there tonight and rock it. If you keep listening to who you are in your head, you will stay a small, silly girl for the rest of your days. And people think great things of you, so step
0: into that. And that's huge. Yeah, that is so powerful. (laughs) I I'm so glad that you saved the best for last. And I definitely think takeaway number three is something that my audience definitely they forget about, or maybe they don't want to believe. Right? I think it was similar to what you were explaining in your story that it was that whole conversation going on for you. But when you can just take a look and really grasp that people want to stand for your greatness, you can really go out there and tackle anything.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's really about honoring other people's perspective and version of how they experience you and then just being willing to let go and understand that, you know, every you see yourself differently than how other people see you. So I just say follow the highest path, you know? Like obviously other people might not think something great about myself, and if I feel more confident than, about myself than they do, I'm not going to listen to them. But when someone's calling me to be a bigger person than I am, I'm going to definitely go along with what they say and, and have the integrity
0: to be who they are creating me to be. Les, thank you so much. Your takeaways were definitely – amazing. The life transitions you've been through, the way you've reinvented yourself time and time again has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I can't wait to see what's next for you and me in 2021. (laughs) It's
1: totally my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and asking me to come and be on this podcast.
0: No problem. Talk to you soon. I mean, isn't Leslie awesome? If I had to choose my two favorite things about this interview, I would choose, one, how Leslie lays out her why in such simple and relatable events, and two, I love how she shares what her why looks like in her life and how it shifted based on what was going on in her life at the time. Every time I talk to Leslie, she surprises me in terms of her honesty and her realness about how she looks at life transitions, how she finds positives in some of life's most challenging times, and she still shows up for her audience regardless of reinventing herself time and time again. I personally think it's refreshing, and it just makes me feel like no matter what happens, if my why is big enough, it'll all be okay. Maybe this has you thinking about what your why is too. If so, share them with me. I'd love to hear them. DM me or post on Instagram at Let's Cut Class. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. See ya.